How are we doing tonight? Good? Slightly not too enthusiastic, uh, good, but <laughs> I'll believe those who said it. Um, I want to start by congratulating uh, Grace and Amelia and Maria for um, winning a rugby tournament yesterday. So I would, um, I would congratulate the guys, but they didn't come back with a trophy. So, um, so <laughs> I hear they did okay. So it's not quite the same thing as winning. Um, so <laughs> well done, guys. I know you tried hard. It was snowing and everything. Yeah. Yeah, fun. That's what counts. Yeah. Um, so uh, tonight, I, I know I said, but you're not used. I mean, you're used to me changing my mind. So this won't be a surprise. But I did, if you were listening this last week, say I was going to talk about rebellion. Um, and maybe it's because Matt actually had to leave town that the Lord said no. Okay, so that's what I actually think happened. Um, but as, as I've been praying and Kath and I were talking, um, we felt that the Lord wanted to uh, go after fear tonight. Okay. Um, so don't be scared. <laughs> Obviously. Okay. Um, I've, yes, some of these sermons for, for the series, when I've prepared them, they felt really heavy. Um, and I was a little worried that this one would be too. And, and, and as I speak, um, obviously, as with all these sermons, be aware of what's going on in your heart. Okay? You, might, you might be surprised by what the Lord brings up. Um, even during worship, as I'm preparing to talk, I feel the Lord saying, you know that thing? We're going to deal with that tonight for me. You know? um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nervous and excited at the same time. Um, so you know, I'm going to preach, but really wanna, what I want to do is just set us up for praying, okay, and, and having communion. Um, I can't free any of us, but Jesus can, obviously. Um, and so, just um, have open hearts. I, I, I thought this would be heavy, but I, I sense a real freedom tonight. Um, and if, if, if you've struggled with fear, then have some excitement for what he wants to do, okay? And if you live a fearless life, Praise God, and amen to you, and pray for those around you, okay? Um, could, we, could we get the picture up, Joe? I was not always bald, okay? This, this is the first truth. And men, do not fear losing your hair, okay? Um, that's not the point of this picture. So, I'm, I, I changed schools so many times, I was trying to recognize what school uniform this was, and I, I think I'm a great four, three, four, somewhere, five, I don't know, elementary school. Um, look at that kid. Happy, hey, pretty cute. Obviously, he grows into his looks a little bit better. Um, but, I, you know, I was, I, was, I was a pretty happy kid. Um, life, life was pretty good for me. It was pretty easy, actually, um, for the first part. Um, and... I've, I had um, <clears throat> had some in interesting experiences with fear growing up. Um, so I'm pretty happy in that photograph. My parents moved, and I moved to a new school. And um, I was pretty good at math, um, or maths as the rest of the, word, the world calls it. And um, I went to this new class, great teacher, um, happened to get uh, 10 out of 10 on my math test. Uh, I'm, I'm about 11 years old now, I think. Um, 
and um, she gives the test back the next day, um, and then all the kids that didn't get 10 out of 10 leave the, leave, leave the classroom. And I was like, where are they going? And they said, no, they're going to the headmaster to get caned. Um, just one, just one stripe, nothing too serious, um, except just with a cane, and it hurts like anything. Um, I thought, that's odd, and then it happened again the next week, and then the next week. Um, I became really, really good at math because I really, really didn't want to get caned. But you know, there's some kids in those classes, they, they would not get math ever, and they got caned every week. Um, and that was when I had my first experience of really fearing someone in authority over me. Because um, I, I could get something wrong um, by accident. I could make a mistake, and I could get caned for just, you know, I, I try hard. Um, a few years later, I was at, I was at high school, uh, about 15 years old. Um, I was vice captain of my rugby team, doing pretty well at, at everything. Um, and my coach took a disliking to me. He was, a, he, was a, he was a former major in the army, pretty stern guy. Um, and my most distinct memory of his, of his coaching technique was, was once when he walked around, we were doing some scrum practice, he walked around and he took a rugby ball and he smashed it into my face. And he said, would you stop smiling so much, please? You're too happy. I can't take it. And then he punched me another two times. That, was, that wasn't great. Um, didn't tell anyone. Um, a few years after that, um, I, my parents left town, so I had to go into boarding school, and um, my housemaster had a reputation of caning people so hard that they would faint from the pain. Um, so I learned to try not to break the rules. Um, and you can imagine that these sorts of things I'll leave out all the time. Uh, the guys try to bully me. Uh, funny thing about guys bullying you is they never bullied me worse than my brothers did, so I never really was scared of them. Um, I used to laugh at them. You, got, you guys got nothing on my brothers. Um, but I, I learned to fear authority. Um, I learned to try not to irritate anyone who could hurt me. Um, it's, 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 you know, it ebbed and flowed over in my life, but it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I actually got set free of it. And still now, it comes up every now and again, you know? And I get that feeling, that fear in me, and I think, oh, I don't like that. Especially when you move country, and if you irritate someone and they fire you, you have to like, leave the whole country, you know? People have power over you, and it's, it's a horrible feeling. Yeah, so I tried to be good. I didn't break any school rules until I met Kath. <laughs> then I broke a lot. <laughs> but I didn't get caught, fortunately. Um, <laughs> there's another sermon there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you know, fear of authority has probably been, fear of man has been my, my biggest fear I've had to, I've had to beat. Um, and it was often strange as well, because my, my oldest brother is the one I'm closest to in my family, and he's, he's a big guy, um, and uh, very strong, very protective of me. And I always had my worst experiences when he wasn't around. It was weird. It was like this shield that I felt I had was removed, and I felt more vulnerable. Um, but the reality is that Scripture says to us, do not fear. And I know we know that you know, when angels come, they say, do not fear, because you know, obviously they're big and scary and impressive. But it's literally the most common command in Scripture. Do not fear. God speaking to his people. 
the most common thing he says is, do you not fear? So fear is obviously part of the human condition. It's something that is a, it's a biological reality, isn't it? It's a, it's, we, we, we respond to things. Fight or flight, fear. The reality is that God calls us to some wonderful truths. Now I'm going to read some of those tonight. Some of my favorites. Um, and when we get to the end and when we pray, I want us to remember these scriptures. That these are not just words on a page, but these are scriptures which, which have to start taking on life for us. Because they have life. Because they're the words of God. Psalm 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The reality is, if there is something, it's an obvious statement, but if there's some area of our lives where we have fear, then we are not free in that area. Fear is a bondage. The scripture says that too. Fear is a bondage. The ultimate fear is death, but there are so many other fears. It's not a sin, obviously, because fear is biological. It's not a sin to, um, to feel fear, obviously. It's, it's a sin in the way that we might respond to it. That's what matters. How do we respond to the fear that we experience? Because we are going to experience it. And there are obviously thousands of different fears, and there's lots of phobias but if God calls us to be a people of hope, and he calls us to be a people of love, and he calls us to be a people of trust, and fear is the thing that comes against those two things. That's what the enemy wants to dismantle in us, that we love God, that we trust in him, that we have hope in his promises over our lives. Fear is coming against those things. It's trying to create bondage in us. And that's what we're gonna try and, um, we're gonna try and strip that off a bit tonight. So um, turn to Matthew. This is the longest reading for tonight. Um, uh, Matthew 10. I thought we would just go to a really kind of scary Bible uh, story. So I'm going to read verses 25 through 39. And Jesus says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell." Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before man, him I will also confess before my Father is who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before man, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven." So it's quite a, it's not the nicest scripture. Um, you know, Jesus is saying, people call me basically a satanic God. Um, he's saying that they're going to come after you. 
But regardless, I want you to say what I'm telling you to say. He says, don't fear them, even though they will probably try and kill you and probably, they probably will succeed. Don't fear them. Don't deny me. Fear the one who can kill body and soul. That's kind of comforting, that, you know, but it doesn't get me past the, but what about the death part, Lord, you know? And this is the hardest thing about fear. Is the, the, the devil's most convincing lies or the ones that contain some truth. So even when he is tempting Jesus, he's not being outrageous, is he? He's using scripture. He tries to pull truth into his lies. And the reality is that we are all going to face some hardship because people are bad, people are careless, people are evil. We live in a world that is broken. We live in a world that's sinful. That's just the reality. And I, and I, I wish that I could say that we can be completely insulated from pain. Um, but we can't, can we? And today's Palm Sunday when we remember our own Savior who is worshipped by people, singing <laughs> praises to him. And what must have been going through his head knowing that these same people, people were just going to betray him? And he would be on a cross within a few days. Knowing what was before him, we know the, the, uh, the stress that he felt, even the fear of what the Lord was asking to do, but he still went forward. So the reality is that life will have challenges, but you know, we, we sang about Jesus' yoke. And the, re- the reality is that we will always carry a yoke. We are always, we always have a yoke. We just have a choice. Is it going to be our yoke or is it going to be Jesus' yoke? Is it going to be his way? Is it going to be doing life with him? Because there are lots of scriptures which actually point to the reality that life is hard. But there's also a lot of scriptures which points to the fact that God is for us and he is over us and he will protect us and he will shelter us and he will be our refuge. And so often he is. So often. This past week, um, as many of you know, we had a fire in, in our barn, um, which, which um, was just terrifying. I was, I was at, on campus and Kath called me and just, she was not doing well and just said, come home, the barn's on fire. Um, and so, like, so I obviously ran home, drove as fast as I could and all I could pray was, okay, Lord, this is, this is yours. I, you know, what are you going to do? Um... Funny enough, the thing that started the fire, I heard the Holy Spirit say two, two days before, make sure you unplug that. And I didn't listen. So it would be completely my fault. Because the cable basically melted because it was too old and set some hay on fire. And, you know, there's like 20 firemen there and I have a talk and one of the guys walks me through the building and, and he says, well, just so you know, when I came, uh, when I arrived, I thought this barn's toast. There's so much, there was so much smoke coming out. There's nothing we can do. Then I opened the doors and I saw the size of the fireball and I said, there's, I thought there's nothing we can do, but we tried and we just started pumping water. And 
the fire was hot enough, it was about seven, eight feet high, the ball of fire in the middle where the hay was, it, it had burned through um, inch thick um, walnut planks, which is a really hard wood, it's hard to burn through walnut, that's how intense the fire was. And yet the, f the guy walked me through and, and he said, the weird thing about this fire is like, it was this big and this hot, but the spider webs that are like a foot away are still there. Like he said, I don't, I don't know what happened but it's like the heat of the fire was contained by something. And then he doesn't know if I'm a Christian or not. He just said, I think someone was watching you. I, I don't know what happened. I was like, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> 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 you, know, uh, you know, my stupidity, the barn could have burnt down. I wouldn't blame God for it. I would have been upset. It's the oldest barn in the township. I would have felt like a terrible farmer and all sorts of things. Um, but he protected me. He protected our property. He protected my animals. The reality is that you know, the, the worst thing that life can throw at us is death. And Jesus beat that. It's the worst thing, and he beat it. And he doesn't promise us an easy life, but he promises us a life with him. And he promises us that nothing can separate us from him. And I know I'm going to run out of time tonight. I actually had 30 pages of sermon notes. I normally have five. Okay, so just, okay. This is a big subject. I think we'll come back to it in the fall. There's a lot to talk about. But the main thing that we have to realize, like so many times we say at this church, is that the, the answer to fear is knowing Jesus. Okay, and it's not the Sunday school answer. Okay, it's just the reality that we have to know him. When John says, 1 John 4, 18, that perfect love drives out fear, casts out fear. Perfect love. Meeting the one who is love, knowing the one who is love. That's the thing that casts out fear. That's the thing that's bigger than any fear that we can experience. And so for some of us, the, the, the first thing we have to pray when we think about fear is, Lord, will you give me a revelation of your love? Because if you go back to Matthew 10, if you read it in kind of reverse, or you read it through the eyes of relationship, my first reading is like, okay, pain, suffering, death, Ugh, have courage, they're going to come and kill you. It's not the greatest scripture, but you read it kind of backwards, and you see that we have a Father who loves us, who will judge all things and has sovereignty over all things, even the body and souls of all men and women, and he watches over us, that he loves us. Even, he even sees the sparrows, how much more does he see us? And we have Jesus, the save, Savior of the world. He will declare our names to the Father. And he will say that these are of my household. They are of my family. They are mine. And he says, I will speak the things that I want you to say. Have courage. And speak them from the rooftops. Because you have met me. And you know me. And we see this obviously with the, with the disciples who go from fearing death, wondering what on earth has happened when Jesus dies. Even after they've seen the risen Christ, still not sure, being faithful and praying in Jerusalem. But then the Spirit fills them. And they are not worried about death. Peter goes from denying Jesus to declaring Jesus. Because when you've met the one that is love, 
perfect love drives out all fear. And our equations are no longer using fear. And that is an incredibly free way to live. Not to try and control our lives, but to be free and trusting Him. So, a couple of fears. There's a lot, okay? I'm not going to go through all of them, all the phobias as well. But some of the ones that, 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 that we might have experienced or, or that might be in our minds or hearts, you know, fear of dying, fear of not having enough, especially you know, financial aid, you know, if you've grown up in a poor household. Fear of what people think. Fear of man. And this goes for our friends, and this also in our culture goes for complete strangers. <laughs> if you're on Twitter or you know, whatever. <laughs> this fear of rejection, fear of the supernatural, fear of abuse, fear that I'm not really saved, fears of injustice. I hate that. I really want to control my life so I never experience injustice. That's impossible. Fear of a spouse or loved one dying. These are kind of the big ones for me, <laughs> or the ones that affect me a lot, ones that I've had to work through. All of them I've experienced. And the thing with fear, as I said, to be a fearful is not sin, how we respond. So the reality for fear um, is that it's always built on unbelief. If we are fearing something, we are always allowing some lie into our heads or into our hearts that is saying, this is beyond God. I need to be in control. I'm going to get hurt. Something, something. There's something that comes in that's rooted in unbelief. Another way to think of it might be, um, I was trying to ask Kath, I'm trying to think of the right word, and I, I, I don't think this is the right word, but it's close, is to think of it in terms of idolatry as well. So when I, have a, when I have fear of man, then I'm, I'm elevating man's opinion above God's. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to control my actions to please man. And, and for me, that's a form of idolatry. I don't know if that's the right word, but it you know, gets me close. That something, something is privileged above God's word, above God's truth. And obviously, unbelief and anything like idolatry will bring us into bondage. And so even, even you know, something, I won't say it's simple, but maybe it's something a lot of us have experienced. Um, if, you, you know, if you grew up in a really poor household, um, I didn't grow up particularly wealthy. Um, Christmas was always exciting because the one time of the year we would get Coke, you know, which was like a huge deal for us. Otherwise, we always had to drink cheap drink. <laughs> we never got the Coca-Cola. And it's funny how that, that um, my grandmother, you know, was a war generation. My mother grew up in that. And then my parents didn't have lots of money. And so it kind of reinforced my mother's issues with, with um, having enough. And it's funny how even when you then have enough, it's really hard to have fun. You know, if you don't have a lot of money, it's really hard to tithe. And we haven't, we'll do another sermon on tithing someday. But, you know, it's really hard to give and, and trust God. Even if you have money, it's hard to go out for dinner and enjoy it because you're thinking, well, will I have enough tomorrow? Will I, you know, what's going to happen next week? What if I lose my job? 
and the, and the way that the fear just eats at your joy. Some of us may have grown up in a household where, where we have parents who are really controlling. You know, my kids obviously haven't. <laughs> but, um, you know, parents are protective. You know, and sometimes, sometimes they can be a bit neurotic. Maybe they've grown up in, in, you know, with parents who haven't loved them well. And, and you can try and protect your kids. You, you want them to be safe, but then you, you, you overprotect them. You try to control every aspect of their lives, and, 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 and their love starts to feel like a straitjacket. And that normally doesn't end well. Eventually, the child normally runs away, and you have a, and you have a breakdown in a relationship because of that fear that was in the parents. It might have been well-meaning. You know, and in, in the world around us, and I'll have to come back to this another day, but you know, in the world around us, there is obviously so much fear and so much anxiety. It's, it's literally a disease around us and a spiritual force. And we have this beautiful opportunity. We have this beautiful opportunity as the church to show the world hope because we trust in something bigger than the world around us. And, we, and we've experienced love. If there's ever a time for the church to shine, this is it. So how do we defeat fear? I have to do this fairly quickly. How do we defeat it? First of all, speak to the Holy Spirit. If you can't hear the Holy Spirit or, you, and some, or something has such a grip on you, come get prayer. Ask others to pray for you. Ask them to listen. But try and identify the lie that your fear is built on. Because it's hard to get rid of something. You know, we're talking about strongholds. It's hard to break a stronghold if you don't know what you're actually praying against. Okay? You know, so Lord, what is this thing? And, it, and it, you might feel like something up here, but ask Lord, like, what's the root of this, Lord? What's the root? What's driving this in me? What's the lie I'm believing? And it probably will have something to do with God's character and your trust in Him. Secondly, dive into Scripture. And as you're reading Scripture, look for those promises of God and ask the Holy Spirit. Be intentional. Ask the Holy Spirit to make them come alive. Ask Him to take those, these words and imprint them on your soul and on your heart. So that when you pray against the things that bring fear, you're speaking the words of life against them. Satan hates having Scripture spoken back to him, as Jesus modeled for us. So some of the best, Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 27, 1 again, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 51, 12, the Lord says, I, I myself am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of mortal men and of a son of man who is made like grass? 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. That's so important that we meet the one who loves us. Thirdly, our common theme, be surrendered to him. 
when Jesus is on the boat with his disciples, you know, and they wake him up, and he says, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? <laughs> Not to judge ourselves, you know, when we are fearful, but fear is a sign that some aspect of our faith is missing. Some reality of Jesus is missing. And the only way that we encounter him, unless he sovereignly chooses to just arrive in, in your face, which he might well choose to do, is to get on our knees and just ask him. So fall on our knees before our father and say, Daddy, I don't want this fear anymore. I need, I need you. I need to get to know you. But we surrender to him. So in those, um, those few exa- examples I gave, um, sometimes we will have experienced something and we will have reacted in fear. Sometimes we will have seen something happen to someone else or it might be through a parent or something like that where, where, where their fear has impacted us. Um, where someone has hurt us or where we've, where we've been impacted by someone else. Um, we have to forgive them. Okay, I, and I, say, I say have to because it's only in forgiveness that we have authority. Yeah, if we don't forgive, we don't have authority. It's the thing that Jesus asked us to do. He asked us to forgive. I'm going to finish by reading Psalm 46, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go into communion. Um, Henrik, who's one of our elders, um, was praying a few weeks ago, and this, this psalm really stood out to him, and he really felt it was for this church. It was for us. So listen to these words. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the seas, those waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melts it. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Bear in mind in all of those verses, God promises to be with us in the midst of all sorts of things happening. And then the psalmist writes, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Will you you stand with me? as I pray, um, and then I'll let you sit down for communion, but this is a prayer we need to be standing for, okay, if you can stand.
You don't have to, obviously. Um, so last week, we, um, if you're here, you know, we, we, we're practicing using our mouths, okay? Um, if we, if we, if we want to pray against things, particularly where the enemy has, has a hold in our lives, if there's this thing of bondage, then we actually need to speak out. Not always, but most of the time, okay? Because our walk with God is a partnership. He gives us his authority, okay? He wants us to partner with him. So um, the thing with the devil is he can't hear your thoughts, okay? Um, so we pray out loud because that's where the authority is as we partner with God and we speak out in the name of Jesus, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this, and I just, I just ask that you just, you can do this in your heart, you can, you know, you can speak out if you want to, um, or you can just kind of practice and do this later on your own, okay? Um, yeah, yeah, Ryan, come up, man. You're just such a good musician. Come up. Yeah, the, your wife told you you yeah, was good. <laughs> such a submissive, submissive worship leader. Um, so let's, let's pray and um, just ask the Lord, Lord, is there, is there a part of my life, is there something in my life where fear has a hold? Okay, it's just a simple question. It's a simple question, but it can have really profound consequences. Jesus, we, we come before you as your, as your sons and your daughters. Jesus, we, we come before you. We thank you that you're here. And we, we come asking for freedom. We come, Lord, wanting to take off the yokes that we've been carrying and to, and to take your yoke. Lord, I know some of us have been, have been carrying fears for a long time. Maybe fears that we've had for such a long time, they just feel like they're part of us now. And we've forgotten what, what we look like without them. But fear, Lord, was not your design for our lives. And it's not your purpose for our lives. You died that we would have abundant life. So Jesus, Lord, I, I repent. I repent of fear. Lord, I repent of fear of those in authority over me. I repent of the fear of the opinion of others. Lord, where I've, where I've seen man as having, having sovereignty of my life instead of you. Where I've put the fear of man, the thoughts and words of men above your words and above what you say to me. Lord, forgive me for not trusting you. Forgive me for believing the lies. Lord, forgive me for unbelief. For not believing that you are sovereign, you are in control, that you are to be trusted in all things. 
that your hand is over my life. And I thank you for your forgiveness, oh Jesus, and I receive it. And I receive your blood that cleanses all sin. And it cleanses fear. And in the power and authority of the name of Jesus, the power and authority that was given to me through his resurrection, through his Holy Spirit, I bind and I rebuke the spirits of fear and those schemes of fear in my life. Every scheme that would use fear of man, and every lie that would, would break down my trust in the Lord, I bind you and I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And I send you to his feet. And Lord, where there was that fear in my heart, where there was that unbelief, I pray, Lord, will you place your truth? Will you place the truth of your word, Lord? That you are my shelter and you are my refuge. That you are sovereign. That the days of my life are numbered, are laid out already before you. And my life is in your hands. That you are for me. I thank you, Jesus, for your love. And I, I ask, Lord, would you deepen my revelation of your love? I pray that your love would saturate me. Would you saturate us, Lord? So that we would taste the perfect love of the one who is love, of the one who died for us. Lord, I know I'm asking only for what you want to give. Would you give a revelation of your love to your children? Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. So that was another example of just praying with some authority and trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. If you're going through your day and, and, you, and something happens and you just feel the Lord, Lord's, you know, Holy Spirit speaks to you, the Lord said to you, that was fear, wasn't it? And if you can, just stop and you say, yeah. Okay, why, Lord? What was that? Let Him speak. And then take that thing out. Don't let it root in your heart or your mind. Pray against it. And if you try and you struggle, then get some friends around you. Get them to pray for you. And as you take communion tonight, if something came to mind and you prayed against it, just leave it with Jesus. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you.
And at supper too, he took a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So know that Jesus died. That you do not have to live in fear. He died that we would know him. So when you are ready, please come and receive the body.